Good evening, everybody. Welcome to City Reach West. It's great to have you here for our Christmas Eve service. Weren't the kids amazing? Let's give them a big clap. That was awesome. And also, just want to say thank you to the choir and our music team as well. Let's give them a big clap for their hard work as well. Oh, welcome, everybody. My name's Andy. I'm the pastor here at the church, and I want to share just uh, for a few moments with you uh, about uh, something about joy. And I want to ask you that tonight. When was the last time you, you felt really, really happy? You know, like you had that sort of uh, burst of joy, like there was some sort of moment that you were having where you were just like, man, this is awesome. This is awesome. Uh, I want to tell you a bit about my, my granddad. He's 92 now. And uh, he's just moved into a nursing home. Can't look after himself anymore. He's been living by himself for all, that, all his life, of course. But, but now he's getting older, and so he's moved into a nursing home. And that's great, because now he has other people to look after him, and, and it's actually a really great environment in there, and they take good care of him. But there is a sad part about it. And the sad part is, is that my granddad, his whole life, has loved dogs. He has loved dogs. In fact, my granddad says that he loves dogs more than people. And I don't, I'm pretty certain he's not joking. He loves dogs more than people. He's always had dogs. He's a dog person. Now, of course, when you go into a nursing home, you can't have dogs with you. So he doesn't have dogs with him. But I had an idea just a little uh, while ago that maybe I could take our dog, Maggie, in to go and see my granddad. Now, I don't want to melt your heart if your heart's a little bit squishy, but I want to show you the photo of the first time this old man, my granddad, met our dog, Maggie. He just, he grabbed her around the neck and he just kissed her. And he said, oh, I love dogs. This was this moment that he was just really, really happy. Don't you love small joys in life? You might have a whole bunch of small joys. You know, at Christmas time, you might have a, a particular tradition or there's some kind of music that you just love to listen to or even the simple company of a, of a furry friend. As you sit on the couch tonight, maybe you watch the carols on TV and you have a furry friend there. Small joys. We should learn to be thankful for all the small joys that we have. But how much more, then, should we be thankful for great joys? Great joys, that's what we've heard about tonight, because when the angels came to the shepherds, what did they say? Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, great joy. And this is their reason for it. They say, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a saviour. There's a number of things to see in this verse. Firstly, the angels say, born this day. So it was a real moment on a real day in our history. In fact, the history books tell us that Caesar Augustus was the emperor at the time and Quirinus was the, the governor of Syria at the time. And so we know that it was on a particular day. We also see that it was in the city of David. So it was in a particular place. In fact, I think it's, I looked it up, it's 13,000 kilometres northwest of Adelaide. A 20-hour plane trip, you can still go there today. And so this great joy that is being spoken of, it isn't mythological. It isn't just a fable or a fairy tale. It's actually rooted and founded on a particular time, on a particular, in a particular place in history. 
But the word I want to focus on tonight, just one, one word, sometimes it's good to just focus on one word, is really the subject of the great joy. And the subject of the great joy is a saviour. Can everyone say that? A saviour. That's what the subject of the joy is. Now, what exactly is a saviour? What is a saviour? Well, let me explain it this way. This week here at church, we had a really big problem. Now, the big problem was that you might have noticed as you came here that at the same time as our Christmas Eve service, there's a basketball game down at the Entertainment Centre. Five o'clock. So all of the basketball crowd were going to be coming here and they would take all the parks in the street. And so we realised this. This is a big problem because you know what? You guys would have come tonight. You would have driven down the street. You would have realised there was nowhere to park and you probably would have gone home. There was nowhere to park in the street. So we realised, man, we need a solution to the problem. And so I got on the phone to the government departments. That was, that was difficult. That was a challenge. That was a challenge to get the right person, the right, the right person. So I ended up deciding, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to ring our local MP. So I rang up the local MP and I explained the situation. And he said those awesome words. You know those awesome words that you hear when you have a problem and you give it to someone? He said, leave it with me. Leave it with me. How good's that? Leave it with me. But by the end of the week, I'd had a bit of resistance and it was kind of like not kind of working out too well. And it wasn't looking promising. But then late this week, I got this phone call and it was the guy and he said, mate, it's all done for you. The car park is going to be specially opened at the government, the government park, car park next door for your community. Have a Merry Christmas. And I said, you absolute legend. Now, that's what a saviour is. <laughs> Saviours come and they solve big problems that you can't. I didn't have the same power that he had. I didn't have the pulling power that he had. Our situation is hopeless. I can't do anything about it. I couldn't get the boom gate up. But he was able to. That's what Jesus is. That's what Jesus does. He's a saviour who saves. But our biggest problem, of course, is not finding a car park. Our biggest problem is with sin. Matthew's gospel, the angel appeared to Joseph, you remember, in a dream, and he said, you shall call his name Jesus, and the meaning of his name is described as he will be someone who saves you from your sins. Now, the best way to describe what sin is, because it's a bit hard in our time, because Life is so good in our time that we don't think anything's wrong with us or wrong with the world. We, we just, you know, life's good, especially in Adelaide. But the best way to describe what sin is, I think, is the word betrayal. Betrayal. Uh, there's probably no worse human feeling, you, you may know it, this feeling, of being betrayed. Someone that you loved, was loyal to you, was a friend, was a partner to you, ended up double-crossing you ended up lying, ended up cheating, ended up replacing you. There's no worse feeling than that. There's no worse act. There's no worse act than that. The act of betrayal. Well, this is the best way to describe what sin is. Because God started a world with perfect relationship. And when you read in Genesis those opening things, it was just blessing upon blessing upon blessing. God was just pouring out his heart in love to, to those that he made. God's heart was just for people. He loved people. He had a, wanted a relationship with people. But 
what happened in Genesis chapter 3 is God was betrayed. He was replaced. He was rejected. And every one of us, in different ways, have betrayed God. We've turned away from him. We've replaced him. We've loved other things more than we have loved God. And this is not a minor betrayal. It's not something you can easily just cover up. In fact, Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. Sin doesn't just cause a wound to us. It actually kills us spiritually. We're sort of not floating in the ocean looking for help. We're actually at the bottom of the sea on, on the seabed floor. We're drowned. We're dead. We're cut off from God. Ephesians 2 says, but you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Many people today have a hard time accepting this, that we have a serious problem. Uh, I had a visit to the GP this week, Monday night. Came home, had some chest pains, some tight chest pains. Had some shortness of breath, so I was a good boy. And I took myself off to the GP. That's what they say you should do. So I went off to the GP next day and they took my blood pressure. And then the doctor gave me an ECG. Anyone know what an ECG is? All right, ECG, electrocardiogram. And what they do is they tape wires to your chest and they basically test whether you have any problems in your heart. And it's quite confronting. I watch the screen, you know, as it's going. And every now and then it just goes up and and down, and you're sort of sitting there and thinking, man, like, what is actually making that heart beat? And what if it stops? But then I got the good news from the doctor. He said, there's no problems in your heart. And I was a bit relaxed. I was relieved. I don't need to think about that anymore. It must be something else. Just a bit of pastor stress at the end of the year. Well, many people, though, think this today. We have a little bit of a checkup of ourselves. We have a quick think about ourselves, and we decide there's no problems in my heart. There's no problems with the inner me, with my soul. I'm pretty good. I'm in good health. And so not many people today think about matters of life and death. They don't think about what happens if your heart just stops. We tend to live life just in that lane of small joys. You know, one small joy to the next small joy. But the truth is there is a problem in our hearts. We have betrayed God. And the way to see the seriousness of it is by understanding what God has actually done about it. Let me put it to you like this. If you saw smoke coming from the bush, right, but then you saw a firefighter just like standing there with a hose like looking at his phone, you would be like, oh, okay, they've got it under control. Like, there's no problem here. Like, it's under control. But if you heard sirens blur, blur, like blaring and firemen coming from everywhere and smoke and flames ripping through trees, you'd be like, wow, this is serious. This is a serious fire. Or, or perhaps how do you know if like, your medical condition when you go to the doctor is serious or not? If they say, well, here, take this tablet and go and have some rest for them a few days, you'll be fine, like my GP said to me this week. <laughs> you know it's not that serious. But if they say, we need to call the ambulance and we need to get you to hospital, then you know that it is pretty serious. How do we know the gravity and the seriousness of our sin? How do we know it? 
Well, when God saw our condition, he sent his very own son. He sent Jesus, born into the world, to die as a criminal on a Roman cross to save us from our sins. That's how serious it is. So this was no half measure for a minor condition. This was God giving his all to save us from our sin. You know, to get back that relationship that he intended it to be in the beginning. That one where he just pours out blessing and grace and love upon those that he created. So sin wasn't a small fire that we could put out ourselves. This required God to come and do the saving. And see, you can only have the great joy of Christmas if you understand this, if you understand the great sinner that you are. Because only when you do realise that can you realise what a great saviour that he is. This is my message for you tonight. Jesus saves. This is the message of Christmas. Jesus saves. This is your reason to rejoice. Tim stood at the front and said, did you hear that? It's great joy. Let's come and worship the king. Why? What's the reason for that? Jesus saves from the serious condition of our sin. This is our reason for rejoice. And this is why the angels proclaim this good news. Now, who does Jesus save? Just a few more minutes. Notice that the angels said, this is very important. The angels said, for unto you, for unto you is born this day. Of course, he's speaking to shepherds who were there in that field on that particular night. But they also said, the angels said, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. It's for all the readers. It's for all the hearers. It's for us here tonight. The message is personal for every one of us. This is the amazing thing, actually, about this announcement to the shepherds. It was not made in the town where all the religious people were. It was made to the shepherds out in the field. And you know what all the religious people thought of them? They thought they were unclean, unwashed, the outsiders, the sinners. So you might be here tonight, you might think to yourself, yeah, I'm a bit like one of those. I'm like one of those shepherds out in the field, not much of a washed, church-going type. I'm a bit more comfortable sort of out in the field. I was actually talking to a guy recently who made that classic comment of like, no, nah, if I came to church, I'd get struck by lightning. But the point is, is that the news came to people like that. That's the very point of Christmas. It came to them first. And the point is, Jesus saves. You don't save. You don't save by cleaning yourself and washing yourself up and doing a whole bunch of good things so that God will accept you. You don't save. The message of Christmas is that Jesus saves. Jesus does the saving. He's the saviour. Many people today are into self-salvation. Did you hear Estera tonight? 35 years was her story, looking for self-salvation, something to satisfy her heart, to make her sort of right, to make her sort of be okay. 35 years she was into that. Many people are into that. I'll make myself better. But you know, there is no rejoicing if Christianity is about being a good person. There is no rejoicing if Christianity is about getting a master's degree in life, how to live. That's not what it's about. The great rejoicing of Christmas is that God provides a saviour for you. For you. He does what we cannot do. 
He has the power to do what we cannot do. This is good news. I tell people often, you know what? The gospel is all good news. It's good news. There's no bad news in it. It's about looking at yourself and realising what's wrong with me. Why do, why do I act like this? Why do I live out of my heart like this? Why do I make these choices? Why do I keep on repeating the same things over and over again? Why do I do that? The good news is that Jesus saves you from that. He washes you. He cleanses you. He frees you. He takes away all the penalty and the, and the pain and the difficulty of sin. And he gives you a hope and a meaning and a purpose and he gives you eternal life. It's all good news. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. I want to ask you tonight, do you have the reason to rejoice? Do you have that reason to rejoice? You know, before I left the GP this week, uh, the doctor, he was a lovely older Asian man. He was a very comforting man. He, he said to me, oh, you're a pastor, so you're a praying man. And he said, oh, that's good. Uh, prayer is good for the soul. And then he said, oh, you know, you're a pastor, so you don't earn very much money. And then he said, I earn lots. And I'm thinking, thanks for rubbing it in, mate. <laughs> but then he said this, and this was really important. He actually stopped me to say this. He said, I'm 70 years old now. And what I've realised is that I don't need the Mercedes-Benz. I don't need it. It doesn't matter. He said, there must be a greater and joy and reward that only God can give. He's like, that's what you see, don't you? And I realised what he was coming to grips with. This really was the inspiration for the, for the message to give to you tonight. The small joys of this world are good. They're good. We should learn to give thanks for them. Having a nice car, having a house, Christmas traditions, the comfort of a furry friend. But they are just a shadow of the great joy that is available when you have these two things in your possession. The deep understanding that you are a great sinner, but that Jesus is a great saviour. If you know those two things personally, then you have the best two things in the world and you have a reason to rejoice. I want to ask you tonight, do you have that reason for rejoicing? The Bible doesn't give us a magic formula for how to respond when you hear this message. It tells us to simply believe that Jesus saves. That's it. To believe. And God promises that upon your faith, like an attitude of the heart that you have, a will, a desire that you have in your heart, where you decide, I believe, upon that confession, Jesus saves. Now, I want to ask you tonight, it's Christmas Eve, if you want to make that decision tonight, you can make that decision and if you need some words, perhaps, to your faith, to the decision that you're going to make, even right now, then perhaps I could pray along with you and you could pray in your heart. So why don't you bow your heads with me? Father God, I now see that I am a great sinner. And I now see that Jesus is a great saviour. Thank you for sending him to be born into the world, to die on a cross, to pay for my sin. 
I place my trust in Jesus. I ask him for forgiveness. Wash me and cleanse me. I receive your free gift of salvation. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.